morning, FBC. My name is Hadley, and I'm so grateful you've chosen to worship with us today. Whether you're online or here in person, we're thankful you joined us. If this is your first time worshiping with us, please let us know by filling out our guest information card. These cards can be found on the front page of our website or by going to the welcome desk in the lobby outside the sanctuary. If you're here in person, there's also a free gift at the welcome desk that includes more information about our church. Before we go any further in the service, I'm going to share some announcements about what is going on in the life of the church. My first announcement is about small groups at FBC. There are multiple opportunities for you to get involved in a small group on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. Part of our vision at FBC is that we would disciple others. Small groups are just one component to that. In our small groups, you will find community, biblical teaching, and support from a great group of people. For more information, visit fbccookville.org slash discipleship. My second announcement is for all parents of students going to camp this week. Immediately following the second service, there will be a mandatory parent meeting in the fellowship hall. The meeting will start at 12.15. This is a great time for you to ask any questions about camp and get any last-minute details. My last announcement is about a new service opportunity for women of the church. There are five specific areas to serve on a team in women's ministry. If you're interested in being a part of helping lead the women of our church in discipleship, visit the FBC Cookville Women's page or contact Bria Fisher. Once again, I'm so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Our vision at FBC is that every person would desire God, disciple others, and devote themselves to serve. The Christian life is about much more than just attending a service on Sunday morning, but we pray that this service would play a part in helping you grow in Christ. For more information about how to know Christ or join the church, visit fbccookville.org. Thanks. Good morning, church. We're glad that it stopped raining and you could come to worship with us this morning. It wasn't that way, the early service, or when I got here, it was pouring rain. It was terrible. But anyway, let's stand up this morning. Let's worship the Lord. Uh, we're going to start with the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is seeking sand. All other ground is seeking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, Support me in the whelming flood. When 
believe what you just saying that Christ is a solid rock all of the ground is sinking sand no matter where you try to stand not just figured I mean whatever I'm trying to say though not literally but figuratively wherever you stand it's sinking sand God is the only rock that you're gonna stand is gonna stand strong forever and ever he is an amazing and a marvelous God let's continue on with I stand amazed in the presence how marvelous Stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Yeah. 
our hearts together and our voices and worship him this morning. Uh, this next song that we're going to do, it's a new song. We've got to somehow introduce it to you. I don't have a normal way of doing it because we're not passing the plate, so we can't sing a song and introduce it to you right now. So we're just going to have to kind of wing it and go for it, and you, you learn it and sing with us as you as you catch on to it. Um, it is, I would classify it as a new hymn. It's called Christ the Sure and Steady Anchor. Some of you are probably going, aha, I know that one. If you know it, do sing out nice and loud so those around you know it. Um, but it's a great song that talks about how Christ is our anchor in times of trials and storms of life that we go through. Uh, and the third verse I really like, I pay attention to that, uh, where it talks about when we go through the trial of unbelief, because we've all been there at some point and some time where we question whether we truly believe what we believe or you're challenged with something that you're like, God, I don't see how I, can, how I can get through this. If you've done the work on the front end in discipleship and gone deep with the Lord, that anchor will always keep you there. It'll always keep you anchored on what you know, and God will pull you through it. So let's sing this next song. I'd like to say listen for a little bit and then jump in as you catch along to it. Christ the sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm. When the winds of doubt blow through me and my sails have all been torn. In the suffering, in the sorrow, when my sinking hopes are few, I will hold fast to the anchor, it shall never be removed. Christ the sure and steady anchor, while the tempest rages on, when temptation claims the battle, and it seems the night has won deep 
deeper still than goes the anchor. Though I justly stand accused, I will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be the sure and steady anchor through the floods of unbelief hopeless somehow oh my soul now lift your eyes to Calvary this my ballast of assurance see his love forever prove I will hold shall never be removed. Christ the sure and steady anchor, as we face the wave of death, when these trials give way to glory, as we draw our final breath. We will cross the great horizon, clouds behind and life secure, and the calm will be the better for the storms that we endure. Christ the shore of our salvation, ever faithful, ever true, we will hold shall never be removed. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you so much that Christ, you are our anchor. Uh, that in storms uh, and that we tr- we go through, Lord, whether it's a storm of, of our own making, Lord, or of, a, of, a, of situations going on around us. God, you are our anchor that holds us steady, that keeps us rooted, that keeps us secure in those times. Uh, and Lord, we know that, that one day that, that anchor will, it'll just take us on to glory, Lord. And when we reach that far shore, Lord, we will realize that there's no need for that anchor anymore as we'll be in your presence. So Lord, this morning as we come, may we come to strengthen our anchors. Uh, Lord, as Scott comes to preach the discipleship that we experience uh, as we've gathered together and listening to your word, uh, God, that you would speak to our hearts and that you would just further uh, drill down in our hearts, Lord, that, that hold, that anchor hold that we can always come back to and know that you are who you are, uh, that you died for our sins, uh, and that we can follow you all the days of our lives, Lord, if we just place our trust and keep our, our focus in you. So, Lord, speak to our hearts now and may we be receptive to the word that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. What a time of testimony this morning as we sang those songs. It was such a good time of 
testifying who God is. You know, we, we're going through some great uncertainty in our world today, <clears throat> and things are difficult and different and <clears throat> might not have uh, a real grasp of what tomorrow is going to bring. But we have a place that we can come together in, on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and other times through the week. We have a place that we can come together. We can join our hearts and we can testify who God is as we sing to him in the morning. <clears throat> I, was, I was listening to our, the songs we were singing this morning, just resonating in my heart with those. I'll get Aaron to pull up that second song we sang. And, and as you look at that, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I am amazed as we stand before God this morning. And wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. I mean, we're all in that boat this morning. We sing that testimony to the Lord. We sing. I, I stand. I hope you stand and wonder. I'm amazed that Jesus Christ, the King of all eternity, could look down at my poor, pathetic, pitiful life and the things that I, I'm, I'm just prone. I have a propensity to not be the man that I'm called to be and should be in my life. I disappoint myself at times. Am I the only one in the room that's ever disappointed their Savior? Yeah, I, I don't live perfectly. I'm trying to, I'm trying to live perfectly. I've got, a, I've got a mark for perfection, but I miss that mark from time to time in my life. And as I read that and think about it, I'm, I, what a wonder it is how he could love me, a, a sinner, a sinner, damned unclean. Then, he, then it says, in the refrain there, it says, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song will ever be. I can sing that song from now until eternity because I have an amazing Savior, and he is wonderful, and he is marvelous. And I marvel at how awesome he is, and I, I, I'm, in, I'm in wonder how he could love me. But I am so grateful to be a man under the blood of Jesus. I'm so grateful to be a man that, that has surrendered my life to Jesus, experienced the grace that God gives. And, and I'm not judged by, by my sin and, and by my failings. I'm, I'm come, come alongside of a Savior who has clothed me in his righteousness, graciously given me new life and a new heart and a new direction in life. And as we look at that, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that when I read that, it just struck me this morning. But it, it grasped my heart as we were singing the testimony. I could, be, I could be standing on sinking sand or I can find my foundation in Jesus. Oh, and I pray as we come together week in and week out and, and we, we journey through life together, we come. And we don't just come, we don't just show up to check the box. We don't just happen here for, for some reason of, you know, I feel like I've got to do this. I hope we come in here longing for God to speak into our heart. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm a sinner condemned unclean. But Lord Jesus, you have saved me. You have given me new life. And I come before you. I want your word to speak into my heart and help me apply that word to my life so I don't just walk out of here the same way I came in. Amen. I, I want us all to realize today we're here for a reason. The Word of God is, is to be spoken into our life, and it's to have an effect on us. It's to carry us in the journey of life, walking closer to Christ. So I'm going to read a statement this morning from Hosea. 
And all Hosea speaks to America, he speaks to me. And I love the fact that God's Word is alive and well, and that it's living, it's active, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It is a Word that can be spoken into the current situation, which I'm living. Though it was written thousands of years ago, it's as relevant today as anything else. And, and in this world, there's some things that are not relevant. <laughs> if you turn on your TV lately, uh, you can get all kinds of conflicting reports. Uh, this is not conflicting. This is... This is continuously drawing us into a relationship with God. And the word of God this morning from Hosea, as I was reading it this week and just thinking through it, Amos and Hosea and and into the first part of Jeremiah, I was just thinking, wow, what a word, God. What a word for your people, Israel, to hear, but not just for them. What a word for me. What a word for my life. What a word for the people that I love, that I'm, I get the privilege to stand before on Sunday morning and preach your word. And, and hopefully, hopefully they grasp it. Hopefully we, we take the word that we've heard and we apply it to our life. And we don't just come here and, and hopefully the show's good or the music was good. I like the music or I liked or disliked the preaching. I hope it's about none of that. I hope it's about... Oh, Lord, I I position myself before you this morning. I I assemble myself in your presence because your word is truth and your word is faithful and it never returns void. Somebody is going to hear something this morning that's going to transition their life. It's going to move them down the journey of life. Hopefully there will be people here today that will hear the word of God and recognize a loving God has called you to himself. He's passionately pursuing you, and you'll surrender your life to him and get saved. Hopefully there will be people here that say, you know, I've not been doing what I should do, but I recognize now my journey needs to change a little bit. I need to I need to get rid of some things out of my life and let Jesus be the Lord of my life and focus on him instead of what I've been focusing on. So I pray that the word of Hosea, as I read it this morning, Hosea chapter 10, and, and I got to set it in context because you, you can't just, I started, I was like, I got to read this verse, could I read that verse and shorten it up a little bit. But in context, we need to grasp Hosea chapter 10 and recognize how it applies to our life. But what I want you to hear as we read Hosea 10 this morning, I hope that you'll hear God passionately pursuing people who have continuously rejected him. What an amazing Savior. Leaves me in wonder. Leaves me to marvel the amazing God that we serve. He's passionately pursuing not just Israel, He's passionately pursuing me, and he's passionately pursuing you. And he's going to bring forth a text that we have to, we have to listen to. Hosea proclaimed, Hosea was the mouthpiece for God, one of the many prophets that spoke the word of God to the people. And sometimes they heard it, sometimes they didn't. So we make a choice right now. Will I, will I tune off everything else in this world that's distracting and and focus my attention upon God's word to speak into my heart and work on this relationship that God's offered me. So I want to invite you to stand with me. Let's just read Hosea chapter 10 and let the word. I, I said this this morning as I was praying with God. I said, God, I could just read the text and just walk off the stage. Uh, I don't have to preach this morning. Your word says it all. I hope it, and, and it's, it's kind of, you got to listen to it. You got to think through it. So I think God's going to allow me to, to instruct you in the text, but I could just read the text. It says what it needs to say and walk off. Hosea speaks a mighty word to the people. Will we listen? He says in Hosea chapter 10, verse 1, 
Israel is a luxuriant vine. He produces fruit for himself, the more his fruit. The more his altars he made, the richer his land, the better he made the sacred pillars. His, their heart is faithless. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their sacred pillars. Surely now they will say, we have no king, for we do not revere the Lord. As for the king, what can he do for us? They speak mere words. With worthless oaths, they make covenants. And judgment sprouts like poisonous weeds in the furrow of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria will fear for the calf of Beth-Avon. Indeed, its people will mourn for it. And its idolatrous priests will cry out over it, over its glory, since it has departed from it. The thing itself will be carried to Assyria as a tribute to King Jerob. Ephraim will be seized with shame, and Israel will be ashamed of its own counsel. Samaria will be cut off with her king like a stick on the surface of the water. Also, the high, priest, high places of Avon, the sin of Israel, will be destroyed. Thorn and thistle will grow on their altars. Then they will say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills fall on us. From the days of Gibeah, you have sinned. O Israel, there they stand. Will not the battle against the sons of iniquity overtake them at Gibeah? When it is my desire, I will chastise them. And the peoples will be gathered against them when they are bound for their double guilt. Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh. But I will come over her fair neck with a yoke. I will harness Ephraim. Judah will plow. Jacob will harrow for himself. Sow with a view to righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your way, in, the, in your numerous warriors. Therefore, a tumult will arise among your people, and all your fortresses will be destroyed. As shall man destroyed Beth Arbel in the day of the battle, when the mothers were dashed in pieces with their children. Thus it will be done to you at Bethel against are because of your great wickedness. At dawn, the king of Israel will be completely cut off. Father, we stand before you and we have a truth in your word before us this morning. God, I pray that as we walk through this truth which you presented, God, through Hosea many years ago and in our hearts today, God, that you would have your will and way. Father, that we would hear of your great passion for us, your love for us, your desire for us, the call to repent and turn to you and the coming judgment that is before us. Father, thank you for being a passionate, pursuing God. Pursue our hearts this morning, Father, and let us be in pursuit of you. In God's name, we pray the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. You know, as I stand before you this morning, there's a point in time each week we come together, and, and God, I pray God just anoints me with the power to be able to preach His Word because nothing I can say from this place 
will bring um, e- any value to eternity for you unless it's by God's anointing and his work through me. It's just like Hosea. Hosea had nothing to say apart from God. God spoke through Hosea. God spoke through Amos. God spoke through Jonah. God spoke through mankind. And, and, and God, for some reason or another, by his grace allows me to stand before you and preach. I count that a huge privilege, a very heavy weight, but a huge privilege. And as I stand before you this morning, I think of this text, and I think of our country and where we are, but I think of me where I am, and I think of you where you are. And it's not just about America. It's not just about a country. It's not just about Israel. It's about us. It's about me. It's about you. And it's about us getting personal this morning and saying, Lord, everything else aside, me and you, me and you, God, where are we? I can't, I can't fix somebody else's problems. I can't, I can't solve this issue for them. God, what about me and you? And we focus our heart on God. God's here to speak to you. God's passionately pursuing, not just Israel, not, not something 3,000 years ago. God is passionately pursuing a relationship with you. And I think it's so important for us to think through that and, and, and really grasp that because we'll miss it if we just gloss over this or think this applies to somebody else and don't apply this to our life. God is passionately pursuing me. And that excites me. That, that, you'll get fired up about that maybe one day. If not, I, I guess, like I said this morning, your wood's all wet. You won't ever get fired up. But I hope you get fired up about the fact that God is He's pursuing you. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all the universe, is in pursuit of you. And we see that displayed through the words of Amos and Hosea and all the other prophets that we see that we've read about. God is in pursuit of mankind. He's been in pursuit of mankind from the very beginning. When we read Genesis chapter 1, we see the crown of creation is unfolded before us, and that is us. And it's not that we take this elitist mentality and look at us and say, well, look at us. We are the crown of creation and become prideful about that, but we recognize that a God in heaven created us and he called us into a relationship with him because he's a relational God and we fail at our side of the relationship we fail miserably at our side of the relationship we have a righteous holy amazing God who never fails at his side but we fail at our side of relationship and then we read all the way through the Bible to, to Revelation chapter 22, and we see this amazing pursuit of God for humanity. He is desiring to redeem humanity and the relationship that he has called us into. And praise God, he's called us into a relationship. Praise God, he didn't just look down upon humanity. And let me just get more personal. Look down upon me and look down upon you and say, you've done this and this and this and this, and you continually... Reject me, you continually, by your fruit, by your lifestyle, you continually pursue something I've not called you to pursue, so I'm done with you. I praise God we don't have a God that's done with us. I I praise God that he's not done with me because of my failures. Is anybody else in the room hearing me? I mean, I saw two people nodding their head. I just want to, yeah, I got my my brothers with me. So uh, here's what I'm saying. I am grateful to God that he pursues me, and that excites me, that he's not done with me, and he's not done with you. And we see from the words of Hosea 
Because we can mount up testimony upon testimony upon testimony of man's rejection of God. Not, not, I'm not talking about our life. I'm talking about from the biblical account. We can just right now, it take us days to go over man's rejection of God. And then we look into our own personal life and we see where we have personally, knowing God called us to this, rejected God's call on our life and gone in a different direction. I think that applies to everybody in the room. You may be so righteous you've never rejected God, his will for your life. You might have never made a decision that was wrong. If so, you're excused, and the rest of us will continue on. But I know that I've missed the mark, and I believe I'm among people who have missed the mark. But I know that I'm reading about a God who says, I'm relational and I'm pursuing you, and I'm going to continue to pursue you, even if you reject me. What an amazing God. So we see in this text that, that as God continually reaches out, he, he's, he's done this. They, they built something. Israel has been in a pursuit. They, they made something. They pursued something. It says Israel is a luxuriant vine. A, a vine grows and covers things. I, have you ever seen kudzu? I don't consider that a luxuriant vine, but it's a vine, okay? It covers things. There's, a, there's fruit. You can see it. You can, you can see the vine grows, and, and Israel... God's saying, you're like a vine, you've, you've grown, you've spread out, and, and people can see you, you can see what's happening in your life. You produce fruit for himself, he says, and the more his fruit, the more his altar. So as we, as we build more and, and we accomplish more in life, we, we get more happy about what we've accomplished and more prideful about what we've done. And, and that's what he's talking to Israel about here. You've, you've built something. I get it. You've made something. You've taken what I've given you. Instead of putting your, the priority of a relationship with me, you've, you've looked at the world around you and you've made you something. And it's a luxuriant vine. You've built all these altars. And, and the more you have, the more you made, the richer the land, the, the better you made the sacred pillars. But verse 2 is the capstone. It captures, it says, their heart is faithless. Now they must bear their guilt. So in other words, you've built a lot. You've done a lot. You've accomplished a lot in life. But it's, as far as the most important thing in life, Israel, Scott, ma'am, sir, you've missed it. Quite, quite honestly, uh, the most important thing in life, it's very, very possible that you're sitting here this morning and you've missed it. You've built a lot. You've, you've, you can look around and say, look at my world. I mean, I've got, I've got a house. I've got a car. I've got, I've got this. I've got that. I've, and, and I'm telling you, God is not concerned about you having stuff. God's concerned about stuff having you. Did you get that, church? I mean, God, God kings had stuff, but it was, the problem came when the stuff had the king. And he was more interested in his stuff than he was in his relationship with God. And we can get there. Our world, you, I, we can get there where we can look around at the things that we have and we can be prideful about what we've accomplished in life and overlook because we've spent so much attention at the workplace or, or in relationship or uh, on the earth and things of the earth. We've built so much, but yet we've missed that vertical relationship, that most important relationship with God. Man has 
consistently. And unfortunately, it's a sad story, continually, repeatedly, with our actions and what we produce, shown ourselves faithless to God instead of faithful. God is always faithful. I'm, I'm the one that needs to change here, not God. I, I'm the one that needs adjusting. I'm the one that needs directing. I'm the one that needs to be drawn in. So praise God. He didn't leave me. He didn't leave you. He didn't just not say anything. He didn't just look down from heaven and say, the despicable human can't get it. I'm done with them. But he looked down from heaven and said, I pursue you. I pursue you with everything I have, all the resources of heaven. I'm pursuing you. In fact, I'm going to pursue you not only in word, I'm going to pursue you in, I'm going to pursue you in deed. I'm going to send the greatest gift that could ever be given to humanity. I'm going to send my perfect spotless lamb of God, my son, to come to this earth and die on the cross at Calvary in pursuit of you. And see, we, we look at the temporary, we look at what's around us, we look at what we can see, but we're dealing with a God of eternity who, who sees the beginning of man, the end of man, and everything on either side of that, which is too much for me truly to comprehend and you as well, if we're just honest with ourselves. So we've got this amazing God who looks down from heaven and says, I'm pursuing you. I'm in pursuit of you, regardless of the fact whether you're in pursuit of me, I am pursuing you. So there's not a single human being that's ever been birthed into this world and lived their life that God did not continually pursue in a relationship. That's excellent news. So no matter what you've done, sir, no matter what you've done, ma'am, in your life, no matter how distant you have become from God, there is the God in heaven who is still pursuing you in a relationship. And he's over it. He's over your past. And he's calling you to something very great. Now, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if if you don't agree that you've failed, and if you don't turn to him and allow him to shape and form your life, guess what? You'll continue down this crash course, this collision in life of recklessness. But Hosea is saying, man, if we just recognize God's pursuing us. He's calling us. He he loves us so much that even though we have a faithless heart, he says now they must bear their guilt. So they've got to handle the consequences for their actions. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their sacred pillars. A lot of times we build things that just are not going to stand the test of time. We, We focus most of our efforts, if we're honest with each other, most of our energy... And most of our efforts, let me speak to the moms and dads. Most of it's going to be left to your kids. And you like feel good about that. And I'm, I'm not saying you should feel bad about that. But most of our efforts are left here on the earth. And if the earth comes to an end, they're of zero value. The greatest investment that I can make and the greatest investment that you can make is in a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord that first. See, Jesus had it right, okay? He told us this when he was here on earth. He said, the gospel of Matthew records it in chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But if we're honest with each other, don't we mostly seek first everything on the earth? And then if we've got a little bit of time left over in our busy, crazy lives, we add a little Jesus to it? I mean, seriously, are y'all still with me? 
Because that's the way I feel about our lives. That in America, in Cookville, on 3915 Pfeiffer Mountain Road, a lot of times we spend most of our energy, most of our effort seeking the things of the world and not the relationship with God. And we wonder why our life is broken, messed up. We wonder why we have so many struggles and we haven't turned it over to Jesus. We haven't turned to Jesus. We, we might have tipped our hat to Jesus, might have said, hey, you know, the wheels fell off the bus. God, can you come in and fix this so I can ride again? Instead of saying, Lord, how do you want to remake me? Not just fix my situation, not just get me on limp on down the road, but God, how can you transform me? What needs to change about me so that I can be the man? Or if you're a woman, in your case, the woman you need me to be. So Hosea, he's, he's revealing very clearly from God saying, they'll even turn their back on God. And, and we see in, in verse 10, it says, when it is my desire. So God has a desire and his desire is to, and it's at a time he's going to work with us. He's, it's okay. If, if we don't want God in our life, God will back off. He is a gentleman. He will not make himself evident and prevalent in your life when you don't want him. He says, it is, it, when it is my desire, he says here, he says, I will chastise them. And the people will be gathered against them when they are bound for their double guilt. God loves us so much that if he has to, he will, he will chastise us. He will, come, he will come in a way. It's just called a, a loving parent does not sit back and say, well, whichever way my kids go, you know. They can go. I just, I just want them to be happy. Just, I would never want to tell them what's right and wrong. I just want them to figure all that out on their own. I, I would never feed them formula. I just want them to crawl out of bed and go get whatever they want out of the refrigerator at two or one or even two months old. No, we, we invest, we nurture, we encourage, we, we guide because we love our kids. If you have kids or people around us, we invest, we nurture, we guide. And, and God's saying, you know, if I have to, if I have to discipline, I'll discipline. When it's time, I will discipline and I will bring discipline against. And so God is in pursuit He's not, he's not just passive. I mean, 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us that he is not slack as some count slackness. He's just persistently seeking us and giving us time to come to him. What an amazing God. And then in verse 12, we see the, the shift. It's a transition. It's like, okay, guys, you've, you've invested in your own world. You've done your own thing. You, you've, you've turned away from me. I've not turned away from you. I'm not going to not pursue you. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue the relationship I created you for. He says to them, he says, sow with the view of righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. Think about that with me. So, when, I don't know, maybe, have you ever planted a garden? Some of you in here have never planted a single thing. You, you got, got a brown thumb if somebody gave you a planted dye. I get it. Join in with me and think about this. So I've planted a lot of stuff. I, I've got a farming background. 
I understand farming well. Hopefully I can lead those of you that don't along the line with me this morning. But when you sow, in order to get to the place where you plant a seed, you have had to have done a lot of work. You've had to work up the field. You've had to prepare it. And then you, you open up that ground, open up that furrow, and you set a seed in it, and you close the earth back around it. And at that moment, when you plant that seed... You have the greatest amount of optimism. You have the greatest amount of expectation that that seed is going to grow into a plant and produce a fruit and, and produce an outcome. You, you have a, you've got that in your mind. You're, you're focused on that. You're, you're highly expectant of that coming to fruition and something happening very great. You've worked diligently to get to that point. And God is saying to us, we have to really, uh, we have to turn our whole life up. We have to work on our whole life. We have to till some ground and plant a seed and, and grow towards righteousness with the expectation that we can attain righteousness, that we can, we can produce the fruit of righteousness with the help of the Lord. Can I tell you, I can put a seed in the ground without the help of the Lord and it ain't going to grow to anything. It'll never make a crop. I can plant all the seeds I want to, and there'll be zero fruit without God nurturing it with rain and the right temperature and the amount, right amount of sunlight. I, I'm dependent upon God. I, I love the agronomy background because it taught me how, how dependent I was on God. I mean, I could, I could do a lot, but I couldn't make a seed grow. I couldn't, I couldn't make a seed flourish. I couldn't, I couldn't make it rain. And we even, where I came from in Georgia, it'd get hot. Y'all experienced a little bit out here lately, but let me tell you, it's worse if you go south. <laughs> and, and it gets really hot and it gets really dry. And you say, well, I can build a system that'll put water on the ground. Can I tell you this? You can put all the water you want to on the ground. If you don't have the cooling temperatures like we experienced this morning after the rain, it doesn't relax the crop and it doesn't flourish. But it, help, it, it may patch, but it's not what God can do. We need God. He said, man, so, as we look at it, so with the view to righteousness, we need to point our life. We need to position ourselves to sow. We need to break up some ground in our life. There may be some areas in your life you've changed, and maybe there's some areas in your life you say, God, I'm okay with you touching this, but I'm not okay with you touching that. And those areas need to be tilled up. Those areas need to be sown in righteousness. Sow it with a view of righteousness. Sow my life. I need to sow my life with a view of righteousness. I need to point towards righteousness in my life. Reap in accordance with kindness. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. He says, break up fallow ground for it's time to seek the Lord. Let me tell you, fallow ground, that's ground that just lays out. What happens to ground that lays out? I can tell you this. Every time you ride by a beautiful cornfield or a bean field or you see a garden that somebody has in their yard, they did not sit in their house and do the I dream of genie and wiggle their nose and that happened. There was some work that went into that. It don't, you don't just sit back and watch crops grow without some breaking up of the fallow ground. I'm telling you what happens to fallow ground is weeds grow over it. The thorns and the thistles come. And you have to work to separate that from your field. And he's saying to them, he says, you know, sow with the view of righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. It is time for us to seek the Lord. 
in, in our world, in the current culture we're in right now, such great uncertainty. We, we've experienced, our norm has really been messed up, okay? What we knew of as normal, if it wasn't enough to get a tornado and set of tornadoes and some north, some south, and all around us, if that wasn't enough, COVID came. If that's not enough, riots come. If that's not enough, political agendas come. If that's not enough, we don't know what's next. But your norm, what you've known, the way we've lived is different today than it was six months ago. In fact, I've seen more change this year in 2020 than I think I've seen in my whole life. Nothing that I knew as normal is normal anymore. It's weird. It's not even normal to go to church. It's not even, it's, I can't go to the hospitals. I can't go to the nursing homes. I can't minister. For pastors, it's a wreck. For you, it's a wreck in certain areas. You've got your ways that your life is different, and it's, it's a train wreck. Our world is different today. It's hard. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. So we don't know what tomorrow brings. So in that moment when we recognize, I have no clue what tomorrow brings, I know where I can establish a foundation. Not in sinking sand like we sang about this morning. We set our foundation in Jesus. We focus on Jesus Christ as the one who knows the future, holds the future, and I'm going to sow in righteousness. I'm going to look at my life, and I'm going to plow up some fallow ground. I'm going to think about the actions, the direction of my life. Either I'm going towards worldliness or I'm going towards holiness, and I've got to figure that out. I've got to have a one-on-one with God. You've got to have a one-on-one with God. This isn't just about Israel. This is about us. And we need to look at our life and say, am I sowing towards righteousness? Am I busting up fallow ground in my life? Or am I okay with my life because the rest of the world's okay with my life? I'm telling you, you can find anybody, you can find somebody to accommodate any position you want in your life today. And if you don't believe that, just think about that for a minute. You can become anybody, anything, as sinful as it may be, and somebody will applaud you in your lifestyle. They'll accommodate you. But either we're looking to the world or we're looking to God. Our life is called to be sown in righteousness, reaping kindness, breaking up some fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord, he says. I want to turn back in your Bibles to Hosea chapter 4. God is calling us to repentance. He's saying, break up some fallow ground. Let's, let's sow some new seeds. Let's, let's send our life in a new direction. Not, not based on what we can build, but focus our life on God building a life in us. He says here in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel, for the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. I think the Lord could have a case against us. Because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns and everyone who lives in it languishes along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky. And also the fish of the sea disappear. Now, we could run off on a scientific experience and talk about that right now, how all those things are lining up. Okay, but also we see that God's he's he's got a case. He can lay it out. We've we've not been running to God as a nation 
The question is, are we running to God as a people? Because it's easy to get back and look at the view and say, well, the world's not going to God. It's going to hell in a handbasket or however you want to say it. Instead of saying, how am I going? Am I going towards God? Am I leaning towards God? Am I sowing in righteousness? Am I busting up the fallow ground? Am I dealing with me personally with a relationship with God? Because I can't deal with you. I can't make you do what I think God wants you to do. But I can deal with me. Amen? Am I working on me? Are you working on you? Chapter 5, verse 15 says, as we're continuing the text, I will go away and return to my place. This is God speaking. I will go away and return to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. God's saying, I'll tell you what, I can back off. Let me back off for just a minute and let you feel what it's like to be godless for a second and then experience that. I do not want the hand of God to come off of me. I do not want the hand of God to come off of you. I do not want God to turn his face from us. I want God to turn his face towards us. But I've got to ask me, and I've got to ask you, are we living our life in a way that God can look upon us? What are our sights set on? What what is our life producing? Are we producing righteousness or worldliness? We reap what we sow. Verse 13 says, You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your way, in your numerous warriors. See, Israel in the day, they would build up a bunch of guys and they have warriors. And they'd be like, we're good. I mean, look at the army we got. Oh, we're good. In America, we're like, well, look at my life. I mean, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. I'm good. We, we look at our banking accounts. We look at how many friends we've got. We look at our status on social media and we decide whether we're good or not. And that's not what God's called us to. He says, we've plowed in wickedness. We've reaped injustice. We've eaten the fruit of lies because you've trusted in your way. I I really am done trusting in my way. My way is a mess. Your way, I'm not sure. But left to myself in my own direction, directing my own way, I don't wind up towards God. I have to have his word in my life to direct me to him. Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 through 3 says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. I'm telling you, that's, that's a picture of Christ as much as in the Old Testament as you can get. I mean, can you hear that? He'll raise us up on the third day. He's saying, listen to that. Come, let us return to the Lord. God is passionately pursuing me. God is passionately pursuing you. God is passionately calling us into an amazing relationship that there's no other relationship like this in the world. He's calling us to it, and we have the opportunity, though we've failed, though we've looked away from God, though we've gone our own way, Though we've trusted in our way and our friends and, and the, the world word around the world and its wisdom and not the wisdom of God, though we've done these things, God's word says, come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us. There's been, there's been judgment on our lives. He's torn us. 
But he will heal us. He's wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third that we may live before him. So let us know. Let us press on to the Lord, to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. There's, when you're dry, when it's dry and, and a rain comes, there's nothing like it. Everything changes in the environment when a rain comes. When it's been really dry, you've seen the deserts. Have you ever done that? You, you Google it, the deserts, how they come to life when the rain comes. In our world, we can see it. I mean, the birds just chirp prettier, and, and the whole morning sounds better. The frogs at night, the crickets, and everything just, just flourishes when there's a rain. But when it's dry, it's difficult. And he's saying that what happens is that'll come upon us when we turn to God, when we confess, when we we, we turn him and passionately pursue him. Meet the pursuit. See, I'll not have a relationship with somebody I don't want to have a relationship with. You won't have a relationship with somebody you don't want to have a relationship with. Relationship is not one-sided. The sin button works both ways. Amen? You've had that friend. I bet you have. I have. Maybe I'm the only one in the world that has that friend that if I don't call them, we don't have a relationship. Have you experienced that? Like you feel like you've got to be the one that calls them all the time. And the day you quit calling them, you wake up three years later and you hadn't heard from them. And you're like, oh boy, that was just me keeping that one going. You've had that friend and, and that's not a relationship. A relationship is an investment from two parties spending time and energy and effort to grow something together. And God is desiring a relationship with you. But that is not one way. We don't park it on the couch and say, God bless me. I showed up once, maybe twice a month to appease a guilty conscience, if we're honest, instead of an all-out pursuit of God. God's called us to pursue him. He says, seek me and you will find me. He says that throughout the text. How often are we seeking him? We want him to seek us. We want him to bless us. We want him to protect us. We want him to provide for us. But are we seeking him? Because this is not a one-way relationship. It's both ways. God warns the people of the impending judgment that's coming, though. If you look with me in chapter 10, verse 14, it says, Therefore, therefore, because of these things, because you've plowed in wickedness, because you've reaped injustice and eaten the fruit of the lies and you've trusted in your own ways and your numerous warriors, therefore a tumult will arise among the people. Do you know what that is? That's a confusing band of people to get together. Hello, America? We're going to get a tumult. We're going to get a, a confusing, loud group of people together. We'll have an uprising. There'll be an uprising among the people, and your fortresses will be destroyed. You know what a fortress is? Uh, those stone things will be torn down. Is that happening? Church, are we hearing God speak in our world today? Thousands of years ago this was written, might I add. Therefore, tumult will rise among your people and all your fortresses will be destroyed. God desires a relationship with you. 
wickedness will not go unpunished. It's going to be punished. We can't sit back and hope that man, maybe we'll escape under the radar. We'll escape right under that radar, fly right under there and not get hit. When we live in wickedness, punishment has to come. A righteous, just God punishes wickedness. But when we turn to righteousness, we have the forgiveness and the grace of God. What an amazing God we have. I'm, I'm going to ask you, do you want his wrath? Or do you want his love and grace? You make the decision. You, this is a you relationship. We've, we've excluded your wife, your, your husband, your, your friend, your coworker, your buddy. We, we've excluded all of that. We're talking about you. Where are you in that pursuit? God is passionately pursuing you. Are you passionately pursuing him? God wants to restore his people. I want to share with you from chapter 14, uh, chapter 13, verse 4 says this. Yet I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt, and you were not to know any God except me. For there is no Savior besides me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. As they had their pasture, they became satisfied. And being satisfied, their heart became proud. Therefore, they forgot me. What a horrible place. God warned of this. In Deuteronomy, if you remember, Moses, the prophet Moses, stood before the people and said, You know what, guys? You're fixing to go into a land that you've never possessed. And, and you're going to drink of cisterns you did not dig. You're going to live in houses you did not build. You're going you're to eat of vineyards you did not plant. I'm going to send you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be the best you've ever seen. You've never experienced anything like this. Because we have, an, a, we have a loving, lavishing, loving God who wants to lavish his love on us and show how he can provide for you. But when you get there, do not forget God. What did the people do? They forgot God. I live in a house I did not build. I drink of cisterns I did not dig. I eat of vineyards I did not plant. Don't let me look at me and say what I've accomplished. I'm right to turn my attention to God and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've accomplished. Thank you for your provision. Pursuit. Chapter 14, verse 1, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord and say to him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. Assyria will not save us. America will not save us. We will not ride on our horses, nor will we say again our God, little g, to the work of our hands for it. In you, the orphan finds mercy. God's response, I will heal, heal their apostasy. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like a dew to Israel. God is passionately pursuing you. 
forget about your past. Yesterday is gone. You can't do anything about it. You have a past. Every person in this room has a past. You've failed. You missed the mark. I missed the mark. We together missed the mark. But let's deal with me and you and God right now. You missed the mark, and God recognized that, and he's not done with you. He's passionately pursuing you. How will you respond to that pursuit? Will you passionately pursue him? Or will you just look away? Return to God. Hosea says, return to God. Church, it's time we return to God. He's passionately pursued me. He has passionately pursued you. He loves you beyond measure. He desires a relationship with you. Let's put the past behind us. Let's put our iniquity behind us. For some of you this morning, that's going to mean that when, I, when we have this invitation, when I walk down front and we have this invitation, Mike and I stand up here, what that's going to mean for you, for some of you that's going to mean you need to forget about the religion you've lived in and get right with your Savior. Give your life to Jesus. You, you know of him. I'm talking about knowing him intimately and personally. Not, not just him pursuing you, but you passionately pursuing him. That means you need to get saved. And, and we're going to celebrate that as a church. We're going we're gonna to get excited about you having a life change and you getting transformed this morning and having a new lease on life. And for some of you, it's going to mean that you recognize your failures. You've been, you've been planting in the wrong direction. You've been sowing the seeds for your own self. And you've, you've realized today that your eyes now need to turn away from you and the world and the worldliness that you've become a part of and pursue passionately that relationship with God in a new way this morning. It's going to mean we need to lay our sin before Jesus this morning, accept his freedom, breaking the bonds of, of the chains that bind us, and living with Jesus. That's what it's going to mean. So this is on you now. God's passionately pursuing you, and I've presented it to you. Just like Hosea presented it to the Israelites, I've presented it to you. And it's no credit to me. It's all the credit and glory to God that he was willing to give the message to you this morning. The question is, what will you do with the message? Will you passionately pursue God today as he's passionately pursuing you? Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to hear your word. We have the privilege to understand that you're in pursuit of us, that no matter what we've built, no matter what we've claimed, no matter the sin we've run in, the, the direction we've gone that's been out of the direction you've called us to, God, this morning we recognize your pursuit and we can turn to you. God, we can confess our sin. We can turn from our iniquity. We can look away from the life of worldliness and seek righteousness this morning and sow a new seed today and expect a new harvest that'll come in our life. So God, you move in this morning's time right here before you. You move in our hearts. Let us respond for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Mike and I are going to be down here this morning. This is, we're going to sing about an altar. This is not an altar. It's more or less steps, but it can be an altar. It can be a place where you come down this morning and you lay something before the Lord and you rightly position yourself in that relationship of pursuit. 
could be a place where you come down this morning, you look at Mike or myself and say, you know what, I need, Pastor, I need, I need to get saved today. And we'll celebrate that. What a day. You move as God leads. You know what God calls you to do in this moment. This is our opportunity to pursue a pursuing God. You move as God leads. Right. 
Amazing song. Loving God is in pursuit of you. How we respond says it all. How, how we respond, not just with an action in a moment, but with your life. When you leave here, tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, Saturday morning, the pursuit. I want you to know, I love you. I look out from here, and I've done life with you over the last six years, and I look into your eyes as I preach, and I know some of you more than others because of life experiences, and, and we've sat and talked, and my heart of love just goes out to you. I long for that intimate relationship for you with your Father in heaven. And if you're not there and you want to sit down and talk about it, I, I want to talk with you. I really do. Eternity's a long time to be wrong. Passionate prophets stood before Israel and pled with them to turn to their Father in heaven. I just plead with you. Wow, what a God I serve. I hope you know him. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't even know if you'll have tomorrow. But I know this, I've got him and he's got me. And I hope you have that same assurance. And if you do, do that's great. If you don't, I hope you don't leave this place without grabbing hold of me or somebody. Maybe you're a woman and you're like, man, I just really couldn't go talk to a man about what I'm dealing with. Grab a woman in this place before you leave. God will direct you to a godly woman that you can pour your heart out in. God loves you. He's passionately pursuing you. I want to say thank you. The orchestra's not up here, but they were earlier. They're around. Thank you to the orchestra, to all of y'all who play instruments every week. You bring so much to the stage in, in presenting an opportunity for us to come and worship. Thank you for your diligent effort. Y'all were here before I got here this morning. Praise God. Thank you for your efforts. I love you, and I'm grateful for you. The, our sound guy, thank you, Brian, for what you do. For Aaron, and, and sometimes it's Shane changing slides up there. Thank you for what y'all Thank you, deacons, for what you do in this church. Thank you teachers for teaching. Thank you 
people for being here, showing up to let God touch your life. Thank you. I want to say this too. Um, Alex Fisher, he's not in the room, is he? Oh, come here, come here. You and Bree can come up here on stage. Bree, if you want to. If you don't, that's fine too. She said, I can stay, I can go. Um, be seated just for a second, um, just to say, this is my brother Alex. He's been involved in ministry here for years, and I'm so grateful for Alex. And they teamed together, her, her, him and her, and now baby, and uh, coming soon. So uh, Alex has uh, been with us in an intern position, an interim position, and he served in, in various positions. I've been able to just unload a lot for Alex and different ones in the intern position to say, please help, help me with this, handle this, and they do it so well and so effectively. Our staff is amazing. we got men and women on our staff do such an amazing job, and, and they allow me to just say, hey, help me with this, and they do it. And I, I'm so grateful. And during the transition, Alex has done a whole lot. And here recently, Mike and I sat down with him and said, would you please do this for us? We, we see a hole in our church family between small groups and discipleship and missions. Those, those three things. We, he served in that role before with small groups and discipleships. So I said, I need you to help people disciple better and help facilitate leaders to lead uh, in, in small groups and on Sunday morning, Sunday school, and, and all the groups meeting. I, I need somebody to do that, and I know Alex is capable of doing that. So I asked Alex to help me with that. I asked him to really help motivate discipleship because that's where it is. That's where it matters that we're being made disciples, that we're studying God's Word, that we're taking it to the next level. We're growing as much as we can. So I've asked Alex to help me with that. And if it were not enough, I've said missions needs to be revamped in this church. At six years pastoring here, I think, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to where I feel like we've hit the mark, but I think we're missing the mark. I think there's more we can do around the world for the glory of God. There are lost people. We need to be going to the world. We need to be going to our nation. We need to be going to our town more. And, and I said, I need somebody to help me with that. And I said, I want, I want you to pray about it. He said, man, those three things are right in my wheelhouse. That's right where I need to be. So I've asked him to serve and help me for not in an intern, not in an interim, but the same hours, just a lateral in hours, but more intentional ministry over the next years. I hope I can hold on to you for years if God will allow me to. If not, I'll bless you. You're going to do an amazing job in ministry wherever you go, but I hope I can hold on to you all for a while. You all help the team greatly. So I just wanted to let you know about that. I wanted to pray for him. I want you to pray for him and Bria as they, they serve in this. I'll, I'll keep changing his role, maybe something else next month. But right now, that's where you are. And I just want you to pray with me as he leads. And, and for you to know that, because if you're a small group leader, he's going to come to you. He's going he's to help you. He's here as a resource. If you're interested in missions, he's here as a resource. Let's, let's talk. Let's help him help us be all that God's called us to be, okay? I'm glad you were here this morning. Thank you, Alex. Ambria. I want to pray to, to dismiss us. Um, but we have offering um, boxes here and in the back and upstairs and all around, if you will, on your way out as God leads you to contribute to the furthering of the ministry and the call that we have as a church, be a part of missions. Mission, mission efforts, our, our giving to God gives us the ability to do missions, also to have men like Alex and women in this church who are focused in ministry and also touching the world. So you're a part of that when you give to First Baptist Cookville, Tennessee. Let me pray for Alex and pray for our time here. Father, thank you for an awesome day in worship with you. Thank you, God, for being a loving, passionately pursuing God, pursuing us. Lord, help us to passionately pursue you this week. 
and on into the future of our lives. God, thank you for Alex and Bria. Thank you for their marriage. Thank you for a baby to come. And God, I pray that you will use Alex continually in the ministry as you've called him to. Lord, bless him as he takes over these roles and and serves, serves well. And Lord, surround him with other people in this church as you so well do. Bring others alongside of him to undergird him, to help him, to accomplish the task so that we can be We can be the church you've called us to be to the ends of this earth. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessings on the day. As we walk out of here today, Lord, not only let our lives be changed, but God, help me, help my brothers and sisters go change somebody else's life for the positive in a world that is very negative. God, help us to be a light into a dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.